this is the Leader Technique Podcast. I'm Dr. Jody John, a researcher with experience and background in high-tempo, hazardous operations like wildland firefighting and Antarctic science logistics. I've spent my research career looking into ways that people who are not alpha males navigate leadership, safety, and inclusion in male-dominated work. And I think it's all about technique. Join me in talking about leadership practices, teamwork design, and safety culture. I throw in self-coaching techniques along the way too, because a solid self-coaching practice will get you where you want to go that much faster, especially as you lead. Get podcast notes to your inbox at www.leadertechnique.com. That's leadertechnique, all one word, dot com. Find me on LinkedIn at Jody John, that's J-O-D-Y-J-A-H-N, and I'm on Instagram at leader.technique. Thanks for joining me. This is Leader Technique, Episode 5. This episode is about learning from oh shit moments. You can learn about wildland firefighting from reading books and taking classes, but how you really master it is through your lived experience. And in your entire slide deck of lived fire experiences, some of those slides might be oh shit moments. This episode revisits a blog post I contributed to the Wildland Fire Lessons Learned Center back in August 2020 that goes into this topic. A firefighter I interviewed a few years back put it this way, experience is something you gain right after you need it. And sometimes some things in fire you have to experience to learn how to deal with it. I love that quote because it captures the oh shit element of learning by doing, that you'll face situations you won't know how to deal with, but you'll feel your way through and come out the other side with new slides in your deck. So let's dive in. What are your most pivotal learning experiences in FIRE? What kinds of things come to mind? Taking on a new leadership position, being chased by FIRE, declining an assignment and justifying why, being involved in an accident or responding to one, dropping the ball or otherwise messing up. In my research with wildland firefighters, all of the above came to mind for people when they talked about their key learning experiences that made them better firefighters. The most common thing people talked about, though, were their oh shit moments, the times when they had to think and move fast because everything was going to hell in a handbasket. As a researcher, I have a 35,000-foot view of people's experiences, something that I never got in my eight seasons as a firefighter. People who, in some cases I'd known for years, told me about wild experiences that they'd never brought up before and probably wouldn't have had I not been interviewing them. Looking across a bunch of people's oh shit moments, I've noticed a few things that might be helpful as you try to get the most out of your hard-won experience. The first is that oh shit moments make your body smarter, or in other words, they strengthen that mind-body connection. We all have common sense ideas, training, and book knowledge about basic firefighting guidelines and best practices and what it looks like to implement them adequately. In this profession, most of these best practices are quote-unquote written in blood. The 10 and 18, LCES, downhill line construction checklist, etc. They distill lessons learned or common denominators from accidents and fatalities, and they speak to injuries and deaths that keep reoccurring. Think about early season refresher training, walking through the timelines for the South Canyon, Kramer, or Yarnell Hill fires. How many times have you heard someone lament that the wildland fire profession keeps learning the same lessons over and over again? 
The reason is that a profession as a whole can't really learn. What it can do is record insights from accidents and fatalities, write new guidelines or reemphasize old ones, and come up with new training, new best practices, and changes to organizational culture. Unfortunately, the process of capturing the deeply physical lessons from accidents and translating them into words, especially new written guidance, etc., means that the physical part can get lost. The blood gets washed off. This is why oh shit moments are so important. Experiencing a close call, like running from a fire, implants deep lessons about these back-to-basic aspects of the job into your muscles, into your spatial awareness, and, in your, and into your adrenal system, what phenomenology scholars refer to as embodied learning. When these lessons become part of your body, not just your mind, they become tangible knowledge about your surroundings, and you likely won't be willing to compromise on them in the future. Here's another great quote from a firefighter reflecting on his oh shit moment. He said, I think if people haven't had those experiences, you know, those close calls or those oh shit moments, you know, if people haven't been burned, not literally, but if you haven't had a close call or seen some close calls, then it changes what you feel as an acceptable risk. Things that now make me leery are people who I know haven't been bitten or shown. That concerns me because I do see them acting more aggressively toward fire. You just realize that they haven't had that kind of experience quite yet, and they haven't had their decisions change because of it. I'm always a little leery if they don't know their limits. The point he's making here is that these experiences can change a firefighter's normal way of doing things for the better because they transfer into our bodies what our smart minds already know. Second, oh shit moments help you gain a voice, or they can make your voice stronger and more resolute. Once you've gone through the exertion, the emotion, the physical and biological experiences of an oh shit moment, you feel strongly about what you know because now you know that lesson for sure. The third thing is that oh shit moments can make you or they can break you. It might be helpful to know that talking about your pivotal fire experiences can help you process them more effectively. In my research, I found that crews that make a point to do regular learning-based discussions can help their people put intense fire experiences into perspective and help them feel like they're not alone in how they're dealing with the, the trauma of it. If all crew members feel comfortable sharing their points of view openly and honestly, then everyone can benefit from seeing a tough situation from a variety of angles. But you can't just expect everyone on the crew to naturally contribute to such a conversation. Crew supervisors play a really important role in setting the expectation that crew members will have these discussions, and they model what openness and honesty look like and they hold their members accountable to contribute. When crews don't talk about their experiences, especially the ones that stand your neck hairs on end, people can get traumatized. Talking about your experiences allows you to name or put a label on what happened and how you feel about it. But it's only once that experience has a name that you can start to actually address it. 
Brene Brown talked about this phenomenon in one of her podcasts. And there's an old This American Life episode uh, called Before It Had a Name that goes into the confusion and feelings of aloneness that people feel when they don't have a label for something. But it also, that episode also goes into talking about how empowered people feel once they can actually put a label on something and start moving forward toward addressing it. So I encourage both of those episodes. I'll link them in the show notes. Without talking about these events, people can feel isolated, coming to believe that an incident was only scary for them and nobody else, or that what they're feeling is abnormal, or even worse, they might feel like they're weak for for feeling trauma, for experiencing trauma from this event, and they can carry that stress with them. So what do you do next? Given that these experiences are so important, what tools can you hone as an individual to get the most out of them? The main thing to recognize is that oh shit moments show us this. When it comes to truly knowing fire, our bodies are the real brains of the operation. So the goal here is to make a stronger mind-body connection by reflecting on your key learning experiences and getting really specific about what you took from them. You might start by gathering all your slides and putting them into one tray. In other words, take time to reflect on your most important learning experiences in FIRE. Maybe they're oh shit moments. Maybe they're leadership experiences. Maybe they're like mistakes you made. Whatever it is, just pull them all together in one place mentally. And if you're somebody who likes to journal, then write them down. The second is to to really pull out what the skill was that you learned from that, or what was the insight. Here are a few skills to consider that a given slide might speak to. Add your own categories to what I'm leaving out here. Maybe your experience speaks to understanding fire behavior or your leadership development, how you strengthened your voice. A slide might bring to life particular safety lessons, or it might transfer what your brain already knows about LCES 10 and 18 and other guidance into your body and muscles and spatial awareness. Your slides might speak to firefighting strategies or uh, bigger picture firefighting goals, or it might speak to firefighting tactics, the specific actions that implement strategies. Next, label what changed you. For each slide, think about how the experience led you to thinking or acting differently than you did before. Are you more willing to stand up to other people than you were before the experience? Pinpoint what it was in your slide that makes you feel sure of yourself. Did you scrap an old way of doing things for a new one? For example, do you now always hike and time escape routes instead of just eyeballing them and calling it good? Did you find a technique that worked really well that you now use on a regular basis and want to share with other people? And then finally, be a mentor. The last thing is to distill three to five key lessons you've learned and tell them to a less experienced firefighter. This could be another person or just your younger self. So why share lessons with other firefighters? Every firefighter I've met has experienced significant events that left them with deep lessons. Even though you can't transfer your slides intact to other people's trays, your stories give people new things to look at and watch out for and new ideas about how to handle tough situations. And why share lessons with your younger self? So you can see both the depth of experience you've built so far. And so you can be honest with yourself about where you need to grow next. So how do you get the most from your wildland firefighting experiences? And what would you add to this? I'm eager to hear your thoughts. As I said before at the opener of this episode, this is an old blog post that I contributed to the Lessons Learned Center. 
there were several comments on here that I found really valuable and I just want to share with you too. So, um, so let's get into those. So Reva commented, wow, this is really excellent. Translating them into words, especially new written guidance, etc., means that the physical part can get lost. The blood gets washed off. Light bulb moment for sure. Thanks, Reva. Captain Gilmer said, fire generally gives the test and then you learn your lesson. Could not agree more. Roland said, yes, in the school of life, you're tested first, then you learn the lesson. Absolutely. Marty said, some great insights in this article. Thanks for pulling it together. I've shared this widely in Australia with the fellow New South Wales Rural Fire Service volunteers as we get closer to our fire season. The 2019-2020 season was horrific, and many of us experienced these oh shit moments. I went from advanced firefighter to crew leader over that 2019-2020 period and experienced some radically different fire behavior. I'm actively involved in training our new volunteers at our brigade, and the insights of this article would be used to pass on my experiences. Thanks, Marty. Tyler said, I believe that personal experience can be the worst teacher of a hazardous activity. If they get out alive, many people will teach themselves a false lesson that they're smart enough or good enough or ready enough to escape such moments. If they don't get a lot, if they don't get out alive, well, then there's that. Could not agree. I think this is such an important perspective, Tyler. And, and Tyler goes on to say, there are things to be learned. When your decision has put you in danger, when your decision has put your subordinates in danger, when your decision has put uninvolved third parties in danger, when a supervisor has put you in danger, when a subordinate has put you in danger, when an uninvolved third party has put you in danger, when you have recognized unmitigated hazards and negotiated a successful turndown or modification. But I believe it's irresponsible to consider those exposures as a standard teaching environment. It's important to learn as much as possible from a personal near-miss experience, but I believe it's more important to learn how to not have narrow escapes, yet still learn and retain the important lessons of fire, operations, driving, etc. My observation is that the least risk, most effective, and exceptionally durable safety lessons are learned from personal emotional engagement with the tragic outcomes of our peers. We don't learn much from the tidy analysis of others we might argue were less smart, less ready, less trained, less conditions, less equipped, less organized, less lucky, or less anything than we are. Rather, the meaningful lessons come from the loss of friends, acquaintances, and historic peers who we individually and deeply believe were exactly as smart, as ready, as organized, trained, conditioned, and equipped as we are. Probably they were even better than us in some important ways. And when they went to the same places to do the same things in the same ways as we do in every day, they didn't come out the other side. When we truly believe all that, then there's no more important professional lessons to discover than the ones which led to their loss. When we find and learn those lessons, they can stick for a career spent putting them to use and passing them on. I may need annual practice on technique, but I don't need a refresher on principles. Those lessons are in me for life. Damn, that was close is no substitute. A successful career is not the one spent collecting close calls, but the one with the fewest and smallest errors. Picking up as many aggressive good saves as you can uh, collect along the way, 
live long and prosper. Thank you so much for that comment, Tyler. I could not agree more. Oh shit moments are just one of the many kinds of experiences that people pick up, but they tend to be ones that we really remember and embed into our bodies. So that's why I wanted to talk about them. You bring up so many important points about learning, especially from people that we respect and internalizing all these lessons in deliberate ways and passing them along throughout our career. Could not agree more. RD said, one of my favorite risk management sayings is that good luck reinforces bad habits. I take it to mean that while those aha moments might improve your future decision-making, they might also backfire and make you think your decisions were good because the result was okay, when in reality, you were just lucky. This is seen in relying purely on results-based performance evaluations, such as Valor Awards, perhaps, instead of process-based performance reviews that try to separate the decisions versus the outcome with all four types being possible. Good choices and execution, but bad outcome. Bad choices, but good outcome. Good, good, and bad, bad. Not having a bad outcome simply does not mean decisions were good. We should strive to support and reward good decisions, not just good outcomes. Or we may inadvertently be encouraging similar bad decisions. Close calls need to be real wake-ups that the bad outcome really could have been the result of the same situation and decisions. No one is guaranteed a freebie or a do-over or a chance to learn the lesson to apply next time. Sometimes the first bad decision is a fatal one, and sometimes a fatal result was from good decisions and actions in bad circumstances. Lots of good stuff in here. Um, One thing I really want to emphasize is how important it is to study successful events. I was just at a safety conference last week um, with a bunch of uh, safety professionals from around different industries like aerospace, chemical manufacturing, auto plants, power generation, national laboratories, et cetera. And one of the things that came up a lot was we put so much energy into understanding bad outcomes, but we rarely take that time to put deliberate investigation into positive outcomes, successful outcomes, and really understanding why they worked well. We're so obsessed with figuring out what went wrong when there's so much to learn from what goes right. So I think that's a really important point. And another thing, too, is that, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think uh, when when you have a good outcome, when you have a close call that turns out well, uh, oftentimes that really does truly reinforce a bad system. There's a book called Deep Survival by Lawrence Gonzalez, where he talks about faulty systems. And one of the examples that he uses is uh, how people would climb Mount Hood in a group. And the way they would do it is that these climbers would be linked to one another, would be connected to one another. So you might have like five climbers on the slope and uh, and they'd be linked together so that if uh, if one of the climbers was to fall or lose footing, lose their traction and slip, then the, the anchoring of the other climbers would um, allow them to not slide down the hill into the ravine. But this system was faulty because if the top person became unanchored, if they were the one to fall, it would take everybody with them down the glacier and into the ravine. And it would be a much bigger accident than um, than if just one person were to go. It seems like a bad situation no matter how you look at it. But I think that's a good example of how bad systems get reinforced. And then you might have a huge catastrophic accident because you depend so heavily on that system. And I think that's a really important point that both RD and uh, and Tyler brought up in the comments. 
Thank you so much for listening. I hope you found this episode helpful. If you like what you heard, feel free to pass it along to other folks you think might like it. You can follow along on Instagram at leader.technique and get on my mailing list to get emails and podcast notes at www.leadertechnique, all one word, dot com. That's leadertechnique.com. All right. Have a great week.